Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning, everybody. It is a Saturday morning, excuse me, in the Delaware Valley. He's Ray Dinger. I'm Glenn Mack now. And, of course, it is a Sixers Saturday as they try to close out against the Toronto Raptors. First round of the NBA playoffs. And, Ray, as good as we're feeling about it, some news came over yesterday. Still uncertain exactly the extent of this, but we do know that Joel Embiid is dealing with a thumb issue. Sixers are listing him as available today. He is supposed to play. He's got a right thumb sprain, some say. Maybe more, some say. Uh, tests will be done. He, uh, he, All expectations is that he is going to play through it, manage it, and as long as they are in a run, Joel Embiid will be part of it. So the question becomes to you, Ray, how concerning is this? Well, up 3 nothing, up three nothing in the series, you've got a significant margin of error here where if he's a little off his game for a game or two, it's still not critical. If, if you were dealing with this and you were down 3-1 in the series, I'd be very worried. But... You know, I think right now they're sitting in a pretty good place, and he doesn't seem too concerned, and the coach doesn't seem too concerned. So, well, I mean, everybody kind of agrees that this is going to hamper him a little bit, at least in the short term, but not enough to alter the arc of the series, it wouldn't appear. I mean, the Sixers have uh, have really come into the playoffs playing much better than I expected. Well, yes, you and I, let's be honest, thought uh, we picked Toronto to win this thing in seven games, and... Uh... Right now, I'm pretty confident that's not going to happen. Love to be wrong on this one. I just want to read you. There were a series of reports yesterday from local and national reporters, people who cover the NBA, the insiders. Most of them said, essentially, you know, it's something that he's going to play through and it's a sprain. Uh, Shams, who I'd be honest with you and tell you I don't trust because he is a client of Clutch Sports, which is the same thing that Ben Simmons is a client of. And so while he is a national reporter, I, I, I feel he's tainted. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, he, his text was the most concerning one. Um, his tweet, excuse me, he said, The bigger currently unconfirmed report is that Embiid possibly has a torn ligament in his right thumb but hopes to play through it. And will be, and it will be about pain tolerance. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's got a torn ligament, that's a lot more serious than a sprain. And as they move on through the playoffs, which is a slog, right? I mean, you got to win four rounds, you got to win sixteen games. 
playing every other night, every third night, it's a lot to ask if it is, in fact, a torn ligament. Right. Well, um, they were saying they were saying they're going to MRI it, but not in Toronto. They're going to wait till they come back to Philadelphia and then determine exactly what the extent of the injury is. But he had his hand he had his hand in a brace and he had the thumb in a wrap, so he's obviously got some issue there. And there's you're right, there's a big difference between a sprain and a torn ligament. If it's a torn ligament, then that that's not going to go away. That's something he's going to have to manage and play with and. You don't want to have your best player, and clearly he's your best player, um, at, at less than 100% in, in the championship round. And by the way, transitioning, he still made one of the, one of the best clutch, most iconic shots I have seen a big man take in the NBA in a long time with that thrilling game winner in overtime the other night. Yeah, it was. It was spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite Christian Leitner, but it wasn't far off. So why has this series been so much easier than we expected? I don't know. I guess maybe it, tell, it tells you the difference between regular season and postseason. You know, the, the Toronto beat them three out of four, but that the, in the NBA regular season, that's – may not mean exactly what you think it means. Some of it's, you know, you played them at the time you played them coming off of what, how big was the game in your eyes, how ready were you to play. The regular season, I mean, let's face it, most of these teams go through it with one eye closed. Yeah, you, know? you got 82 games. It's the second night of a back-to-back. You're playing in another city. It's like, you know, it's March. You've already played 60 games. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I thought that, you know, from a matchup standpoint, I thought that it looked like a tougher series, but – you know, it's become pretty obvious. Certainly, two games in Philadelphia, it's obvious that the Sixers are a better team. Uh, and um, in the first two games in Philadelphia, they neutralized what we thought could be a big advantage by the Raptors by uh, not allowing them to dominate the offensive boards. That yeah. wasn't so much the case in Toronto, but right. the, but it certainly was the case in Philadelphia. They rebounded them. Right. And, as, and, you know, and as long as they can hold their own off the glass, then they clearly are the better team because then – Toronto can't get out and run and do the things that they want to do. Another surprise to me has been, I thought that Nick Nurse was going to outcoach Doc Rivers. Yeah, I think everybody did. And Nick Nurse's method of coaching so far has been mostly whining to the referees. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to nominate Doc Rivers for any big awards yet, but he has won three games and he's done it. And I was impressed the other night when there's, what was it, two point nine seconds to go in overtime and this is him on the sideline george this is you danny you're taking the ball out on the hit on the hit bam right when he gets past you george you're running out tobias you're picking him and then you're popping Go early, danny. all right I mean, I and it worked to a t yeah just just the way you drew it up <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm not putting Doc in the Hall of Fame for that one play call, but when you are watching a game and they take you there and you see the coach do it and it works exactly like that and they win the game, hey, give credit where it is. We've ripped Doc Rivers a lot this year. Yes, we have. With cause. Mm -hmm. He deserves to be praised right now. Yeah, true. Okay. True. And the other part of it is – Another rare NBA moment when the players actually did what the coach told them to do. <laughs> they paid attention. How many times do you see the guy diagram the play, call it out, everybody's assignment, 
the horn hound, so horn sounds. The guys walk out on the floor and then they just throw it in bounds and they do whatever they want to do. Uh, you didn't have Scotty Pippen sulking on the bench <laughs> this, there. This time, the coach draws up the play. The players go out and execute it, and you win. Gee, to, what a concept! Tobias Harris with like the the double screen was great. Okay. Want to move on to something else? We will return to all these issues. You're invited to give us a call, 215-592-9494. We got a lot, a lot in the show today, Ray. This is going to be a three-hour sprint. Right. By the way, there is so much news going on right now, we decided to hold off Tell Us Your Story this week. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to give short shrift to any of the big stories going on. Tell Us Your Story will return. Actually, not next week. It's the NFL draft. Right. The week after that, we got a couple good guests lined up. Okay, next issue. Speaking of a shocker, this week, out of, well, not out of nowhere, but out of nowhere as far as we knew, mm-hmm. the best coach in this town decides to retire early. I want to play a little bit. This is Jay Wright yesterday talking about his decision to retire. I, just, I started to feel um, just like I wasn't, I didn't have the edge that I've, that I've always had, where it just, the edge always came natural to me and I just so I started evaluating it you know sometimes you know I, I would never have to think about anything I did I would just go into a meeting go into a team meeting go into a practice had everything set so I started thinking like better get yourself fired up here you better let, let's go and I said these players we we always ask our players um, you're either 100% in or you're against us and I always thought you know father and Mark Justin Camillo Part of this process was them convincing me not to do this, trying to convince me not to do this, and they did, they're great it's salesmen and intelligent people. One, one of the times they said, well, 70% of you is as good as anybody else, which I appreciated, but we could, we could never coach that way. You know, We couldn't ask the players, you've got to give 100%, and I'm giving 70%. So I just knew it was, it was the right time. Ray, your thoughts? Um, 100% authentic, and I believe every word of it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times in situations like this, people, players, coaches walk away and they have their final press conference. And a lot of guys say the say say what they think they should be saying under the circumstances. But you sit there and you listen and you say, "Ah, you know, I don't know what I believe all that." Um, in Jay Wright's case, I believe a hundred percent of it. I think he, um, I th- and it was clear in his in his. Um, exposition yesterday that he um, he said that he had arrived at this decision during the course of the year that it was something that he knew that at the end of this year at the end of this year I'm 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 walking away and uh, the only ones who knew it were uh, were his wife his immediate family and his uh, and the superiors at Villanova but everybody kept the secret uh, he didn't want to do the farewell tour. He didn't want all of that and stuff. I, I want to emphasize that for a moment, okay? Right. Because to me, that is tremendously significant. All all these coaches and players, and, and listen, I don't begrudge them. No, not at all. They've earned um, it. But, you know, with Mike Krzyzewski, you had the whole year, oh, this is Mike Krzyzewski's last game here, and this is his last home game. And, this is, and, and he didn't want that victory lap. Right. And that is a rare, rare thing. I give him a lot of credit for it. Again, I don't begrudge a guy who does it. No, I mean, not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had the greatest one of all time, where he gave him a rocking chair at every place he went. Every every arena, when it was final game there, they had a night honoring him. Yeah. And they should. He was the leading scorer in the sure. game's history. But that Jay Wright wanted no part of that. He right. just wanted to, you know, excuse it, it was what John Chaney said when he was done, excuse me while I disappear. Right. And that's how Jay did it. Um. 
And the other thing that really struck me in in this regard is he's only 60. Right. Which is young for anybody to retire. And coaches don't retire. Coaches just keep going. Yeah, I know. And he, he, you know, God bless him. I, I don't know what he plans to do. I mean, he, he certainly has the right to go and lay down on a beach and play golf all day if that's what he wants to do. Absolutely. Good for him. Enjoy his family. Um, or maybe he find you know, he says he's going to be involved with the program. I don't know. I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, he's, he's going to be. Uh, what are you, you going to do? Yeah, he's going to be an assistant to the president. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I, 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 knowing Jay a little bit, I think he understands that he has to keep his distance from the basketball. I agree, and so I, mean, I don't he's know got, what I that mean, means. Kyle Neptune can't. It's going to be hard enough to escape the shadow of Jay Wright. He can't afford to have that shadow be a real shadow every day at practice. So. I think that Jay's smart enough to know that I have I have to just disappear from the basketball program, but be part of the university, be a an ambassador for the university, be a, an advisor to the president, be a presence on the campus, all that kind of stuff. It's very positive, and he could certainly do that. Um, but I, I think you're he's really going to keep he's really going to keep his distance. Remember, remember when John Wooden stepped down at UCLA. Um, I mean, there there was the greatest college basketball coach ever, uh, and retired, and everybody said, "Boy, what's it going to be like to follow him?" Um, he maintained his office in the athletic that building. Right? I don't remember. And he continued to go to the games and sit behind the bench. Oh, uh, that's not good. Who replaced him as coach? Do you remember? Um, God, I can't. Remember. I don't. But it's t- you know we've always say replacing a legend is a really hard thing to do. Yeah, well, and it will be hard for Kyle Neptune, no question about it. No question. Now, he certainly comes in with the blessing of Jay. I mean, he, he was does. Jay's assistant, and he was obviously the guy that Jay wanted. So he comes in with the blessings of the guy going out, which is helps. But I mean, the first time they lose a, a home game, or the first time they blow a ten point lead in the last four minutes. You know, all of a sudden, people are going to say, "I don't know if this. I don't know if he's the guy." Well, here's what Kyle Lampton has to live up to. This is the last nine seasons of Jay Wright: two national titles, three Final Four runs, seven Big East regular season titles, five Big East tournament titles, twenty-two and six in NCAA tournament games. Right, amazing. Twenty-two and six, uh, two hundred and sixty-three and forty-five overall. 83 percent winning percentage, and in Big East regular season games, one hundred and thirty and thirty-one. I mean, nobody can expect to do that. Nobody. So I, I do, you know, you hope that the alums, that the people who have interest, that the fan base says, okay, you know, we're starting over. We got we to gotta have realistic expectations and allow this guy to grow what he's got to grow his way. Things may change. So with Jay, is this a, uh, a Dick Vermeil burnout without the, the popping neck veins? Uh, I think so. I think so. I think it's just, you know, if you if you raise the bar as high as Jay raised it, you reach a point where you just say, how can I get, you know, you raise it to a point where even you can't get over it, you know, and I, I think that that's kind of what it was. And the, the pressure that builds on you, the expectation that builds on you, the demands of it, the, the demands of the job, the time, the recruiting, the pressure, the travel, the yeah. responsibility of the kids, yeah. you know. Making sure that they're making sure they're going to class, making sure everything's kind of in place. I mean, it's they're your responsibility, and I think I don't know that every college basketball coach feels it, but I think he did. 
I think he felt like he was responsible for these kids, not just as athletes, but as students and as citizens. And that's one of the great, I mean, you read off all the statistics, and we all know the statistics, how many games he won, his winning percentage, the two, all the Final Fours, the two championships. But the other part of it that's equally amazing, if not more amazing, was he did it all without a hint of scandal. Yes. I mean, his, I mean, his kids, by and large, graduated. There was never any misbehavior, kids getting in trouble off the campus. The kids graduated is a big deal. It was not a one-and-done school. No. I mean, Krzyzewski stayed successful. These kids went to Duke for a year, and then they left. Right. You go to play for Jay, you're going to play for Jay for the long term. Yeah, and even the kids who did leave early all said they were going to come back and get their degree, and they, and, and they have by and large. So, I mean, he built this tremendous winning program without the advantages that went to the bigger state schools. He did all that and did it while running a clean program at a time when you hardly ever find those anymore. Yeah. So he made, it, he made it work on every front, but there's no question that it was – it was a total absorption, 24-7 job that I think just finally wore him down. An amazing legacy, and I will say, and I know this is going to sound stupid and self-centered and so on, but I think it's more than me. He made me a Villanova fan, mm-hmm. and I was not a Villanova fan. Yeah, I know I mean, that. I, you know, I worked at St. Joe's, so I had my loyalty there for a long time, but I always carried the you know Raleigh Massimino grudge, break up the Big Five, that whole thing. There was the other four schools, and there was Villanova, and then it bugged me. And Jay, I think Jay worked, I mean, it wasn't his primary motivation, but he, he knew people in town felt that way. Whenever you would hear Jay talk, he would bring in Philadelphia basketball. Always. He would talk about the Big Five, big part of Coaches Against Cancer, the whole thing, uh, part of the fraternity. And um, ran everything that you said and his terrific personality took people like me who didn't used to root for Villanova and made us root for Villanova. He put he put the whole metropolitan area behind Villanova. You know, it stopped being that the nonsense talk of like, eh, it's not a Philadelphia school. Right. That faded away. Not entirely, but it faded away. And it's because of him. Right. Uh, it, so it, the greatest it, legacy he's 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 that of anybody in this. Team. Well, the funny and the funny part is you go back, you dial the clock back twenty one years to when he was hired. And when he was hired, there was a lot of Jay Wright, Hofstra. I mean, really? I mean, this is the guy who's going to take over the program? He's going to take over Villanova? I mean, there were a lot of people that were scratching their heads saying, I don't know. And, and then he came in and merely became the greatest coach um, in, a ta- in a town that has produced many, many great college basketball coaches, Hall of Famers, worthy Hall of Famers. Um, he came in and accomplished more than any of them. Uh, and did it with with real style and uh, real grace. So um, I was shocked when you know my wife walked into the room the other night and said, "Hey, I just saw it on, online Jay Wright's resigning." I said, "What? I mean, talk about one you never saw coming." But um, you know, he did it the right way, and I hope. Uh, and you could see the emotion yesterday. How tough this was for him. Uh, I mean, how many times he choked yeah, up? Yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but yeah, it was, I think it was a lot it was of, good. I think, I, mean, I, w- I went through it with Dick Vermeil in 82. Yeah. Uh, that wasn't a surprise because I think. No, people saw that coming. Those that was of the us, year of the, 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 the strike and everything kind of went south and Bloom was off the road. Those of us that were around Dick saw the strain that he was under. And so when that came along, it was not a, a shock. This, to me, was a shock. Yeah. Yeah, and well, listen, they got to the Final Four and nobody got a sense of it, so yes. No. All right, one other thing. As I said, we have so much to bring up today. Um, 
In terms of Jay Wright, in terms of, I mean, the big story, the Sixers play this afternoon. We're going to talk about that a lot. We have a couple of good guests to talk about that. Uh, in terms of the NFL draft, which we're going to do the Ray Dedinger draft report in the next segment. I see we already have a caller who wants to talk about the draft. Andy, we'll get to you in the next segment. In terms of uh, the Phillies, in terms of everything else, I want to work just a little Eagles into the first segment. All right. And I didn't want to start it with a big, big issue. But I do want to from the gun. Steps up. There's room in front of him. Looks deep. Zings it downfield. It's caught. Arthago Whiteside strolls in. Touchdown, Eagles. Joe Flacco making it happen. Now, Ray, we didn't get enough of that over the last two years. Uh, and no. I'm not referring to Flacco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had to find a J.J. Arthago Whiteside highlight, and to be honest, it wasn't easy. Mm-hmm. But that was one. In an effort to save his disappointing career, it was announced this week that J.J. Arthega-Whiteside, by the way, 6'2", 225. Which, right. So he's not the biggest guy in the locker room. Is going to be moving from wide receiver to tight end uh, and, and, and thus rekindle his burnt-out career. Ray? Right. I'll ask this as openly as, as as I can. Does this have even a shot in hell? Well, it depends on what your expectations are. For I him mean, to make the roster and be a contributor. I mean, are you talking on the, the Rob Gronkowski scale? Are you no. expecting this to be a, I'm talking a total about, reinvention? Uh, no, a, a contributor. Well, I think that they could... I think if you just think of him in terms of being your number two tight end uh, and a guy who's going to play on all your special teams, can he be that? Yeah, he can be that. I mean, you've already got the tight end that you're really going to throw the ball to in Dallas Goddard. So what you're talking about now is who's the two, who's the number two when you go two tight ends. Well, they Could got he- the Jack Stoll guy who didn't impress me. They got that Tyree Jackson, that six foot seven kid who sounded great until we saw him play, and then he got hurt. And then he got hurt. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, the coaches last summer at training camp were very excited about Jackson. Oh yeah. But I mean, you got to well, I mean, he's, a, he's an intriguing package. I mean, he's six seven. He's almost six eight, uh, two hundred fifty pounds. But he's a quarterback who's learning how to play tight end. So he's got a long way to go before he's NFL ready. Uh, and then he finishes the year with a knee injury that who knows when he's going to recover from that. Yeah, we're, we're off the topic. My question is, is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside ever going to be worth a damn? Um, That's the official question. Uh, as, depending on how you want to use him. I mean, is he, is he, going, to, is it, is he going to be a revelation? That's, I guess that's kind of what you're asking. Will he, go, right. will he go to tight end and become a real significant contributor? Bring him in on third down, make some clutch catches, 20 to 30 catches over the course of the year, throw a block or two, be a contributor. Can, I, I, my vote is I would be shocked if he is. You know, I guess they'd look for mismatches or whatever. That's it. But um, uh, you seem to – I'm sensing from you an affirmative. Um. Only because... I was here to mock J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Well, no, no, no. You're here to praise him. No, no, no. I understand where I'm setting the bar. I'm setting the bar pretty low. You're going to have to have that other tight end. Uh, and the coaches really thought that he was a good special teams player. Oh, and they blocker. Liked, they told us how he can block. And he, he's, he's a willing cover guy, so he will do a lot of the dirty work on special teams, which you need somebody to do that. 
Uh, and if your expectations are that the second tight end isn't going to be the focal point of the offense, that all you need for him to come in and maybe make a catch here and there and block a little bit, can he do that? Yeah, I think he can do that. Uh, is it too early to make a stupid football bet? Because I would bet he doesn't make the roster. Really? Yes. What do you want to bet? doesn't have to be dinner. It could be something smaller. That he doesn't make the roster. Yeah. That when they kick it off in September, that he's not a Philadelphia Eagle. Really? Yeah, I'll make the bet. What do you want to bet? He's not even on the practice squad. That he's not even the practice uh, squad's not on the varsity. That he's not. Okay, the bet is he's got to be on the varsity. He's got to dress. He's got to be one of the fifty-three. Yes. Opening day, that yes. he's one of your fifty-three. Yes. Wearing wearing the Kelly Green. Yeah. Yeah. What do you well, want? No, he won't be wearing Kelly Green. Wearing the wearing a uniform. Yeah. I think he will be. Uh, well, we got a bet. All we'll right. Have to figure what? Again, I don't want to. I don't want to do a three hundred dollar dinner, but I would. I would bet. You know, lunch. I, I'll bet. I'll bet. Here's what I'll bet: six cups of coffee versus six diet cokes. Fair enough. There you go. We got a deal. All right. Coming up on the show day, Le- uh, Le- Amy Fadul. Excuse me, mm-hmm. Leslie Goodell, Amy Fadul. I've confused them. Amy Fadul is going to join us to talk about Sixers. Mm-hmm. Uh, really interesting guest in the 11 o'clock hour, Jack McCallum, one of the great basketball writers in this country over the last 30, 40 years. And by the way, a guy who wrote a biography of Jerry West yep. is going to come on with, and by the way, a guy who once worked with Ray Dinger back in the day. Worked with me at the Philadelphia Bulletin. Is going to come on and talk with us about how realistic or not the hit HBO show Winning Time is. I have a feeling I know where Jack's coming down on this. <laughs> Just a wild guess. We got a great shibe this week in Philadelphia sports history that may involve Allen Iverson. We're going to take your calls on all nature of things. Uh, coming up next, after the break, Ray Dinger gives his NFL draft preview. 215-592-9494. We've got room for you. Ray Dinger, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.